Welcome to Politics by Faith. My name is Mike Slater. Thank you for being here. Too many people, myself included, are anxious about the news to the point where I don't want to watch the news anymore. But that's not good because you got to know what's going on in the world. So how can we do this? Well, that's what this podcast is about. So we take one of the top stories of the day, uh, break it down, what's really going on. We lament the brokenness of it. And then we give some historical perspective and biblical truth that ultimately helps that anxiety go away. Ultimately, so we can go to sleep. That's the big problem. Everyone's doom scrolling. <laughs> you lay in bed and you're doom scrolling, just scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, and all the rest. Instagram making you jealous, Twitter making you angry. I think Elon tweeted that yesterday. That's true. So this is no good. So we need to know the truth. We got to get a proper perspective so that we're not anxious all the time because I, you gotta, you gotta sleep. You gotta go to bed because you gotta wake up because you have responsibilities tomorrow. So the story of the day today, the U S consumer product safety commission wants to ban gas stoves. What in the world? Babylon B had a headline. Biden calls for two weeks of not cooking on gas stoves to flatten the curve. Why? Why? <laughs> what? Why and where? Huh? So the first excuse that they gave for wanting to do this is it's bad for the planet. The second excuse they gave is gas stoves cause asthma in children. They say 12%. I don't know how they came up with this crazy number, but 12% of kids with asthma, it's because of the gas stoves in their house. And the Consumer Protection Agency said, quote, this is a hidden hazard. Your gas stove. Now, got a couple uh, a couple problems here. Not that it will stop them. 40% of homes, 40% of Americans have gas stoves. Now, the EPA says annual methane emissions from all gas stoves in America has a climate impact comparable to the annual carbon dioxide emissions of 500,000 cars. That's a lot. Because that's what you wonder. Like, if you're going to say this is gas stoves are bad for the planet, you got you got to tell me how bad. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Okay, well, gas stoves it's the same as 500,000 cars. Well, half a million. That sounds like a lot. Until you realize that there are 275 million registered vehicles in America. So, 500,000 cars is 0.18 percent of all the vehicles. 0.18%. So if we banned all natural gas stoves, that will make no difference. <laughs> it would be like removing 0.18% of the cars from the road. Now, of course, you replace it with electric, which also requires electricity. And there's some carbon emissions from that as well. So it's even less than, than that. Um, so this came out last week. Everyone freaked out and the agency walked it back saying, oh, no, we're not, we're not, what? We're not doing that. We're not looking at that. They are. And I'll tell you how I know that the federal government is looking to ban gas stoves. How do I, Mike Slater, little old me, how do I know that they are indeed looking to do this and that they won't stop until they have banned all gas stoves? How do I know? Because in San Diego, where I live, it's already done. They already did it. August 4th, 
2022, the San Diego City Council unanimously, nine nothing, voted to ban all natural gas hookups in new construction in the entire city of San Diego. It's a done deal. They're not thinking about it. They're not putting together committees to discuss it. They're not studying it. It's done. And I'm telling you, if you don't live in California, whatever happens in California eventually moves across the country. When I used to live in Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee, shout out to West Tennessee, we would always look at things that are happening in California because you knew in a couple of years, whatever wacky thing was happening in California would eventually come across the country. California is a crystal ball. So for you, everyone else not in California, you keep going down the path of voting for these people and they will turn your state into California including no gas stoves. Now you think, well, Slater, you just said that's in, in new construction, new houses, new apartment complexes. But what's the big deal? You already have a house. You already have a gas stove. You're fine. Why do you care? Indeed, that's what I thought. But you cannot ever underestimate the lunacy of these people. The city council also voted to remove all gas appliances from homes by 2035. So even the gas stove you currently have is not safe. You think, well, that's impossible. There's no way. There's no way they're going to come knock on your door and take away your gas stove. Yeah. You're going to pry them from your cold, dead hands, but they'll get them. What they're going to do is just cut off all natural gas hookups. So no more natural gas. So you can't have a stove. Now, my favorite part of all this, to whatever extent gas stoves are dangerous, and it's like they're not. But to whatever extent they are, it turns out electric stoves are more dangerous. 60% of households cook with electricity, right? So 40% gas, 60% electricity. But 80% of cooktops involved in fires are powered by electricity. So, so electric is 60% of the stoves, but 80% of the fires. The rate of reported fires per million households, 2.6 times higher with electric ranges. The civilian fire death rate per million households, 3.5 times higher with electric ranges, 3.5, like way, way higher. And the civilian fire injury rate, 4.8 times higher with electric ranges than in households using gas ranges. So if you even want to go down this ridiculous road, but saying that, okay, we're going to eliminate these gas ranges and therefore we're going to uh, save a couple kids from having asthma. And there's no real evidence that that's even a thing. You're going to have a lot more people die in fires. But, again, the left, they don't think in trade-offs. They don't think in unintended consequences. No. Let's not be rational about it. There's clearly something else going on. So what we need to know about this effort to ban your gas stove. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. 
Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Again, already a done deal in California coming across the country. What you need to know about this effort is that it's coming from the top. It's from the elites. It's from the anointed. What do you mean anointed? Anointed means to set apart. People who are set apart, our superiors, our betters, the elite. As Charles Cook said, there is no mothers against gas stoves. There's no grassroots effort to ban gas stoves. The people of America are not clamoring for this. Like who, who's the... Is there, like, who's, who's out there? Whoever in the last, like before last week, who was like, you know what we really got to do? We got to get rid of these gas stoves. No one's ever said that. Other than the, the wackiest of environmentalists who we'll get to in a minute. Charles Cook says this whole thing has been a top-down affair contrived by the terminally bored. At some point in the last couple of years, a bunch of hyperactive progressives decided that gas stoves might be a good candidate for the next moral crusade. And after a cursory review of the idea, they elected to go for it. The true purpose of the effort is to advance a cause in the hope of feeling fulfilled. Indeed, the key words we're going to talk about in today's episode are moral crusade. These people are on a moral crusade and you cannot stop them because they want to feel fulfilled. And they'll do anything to pat themselves on the back about how wonderful they are. You think facts are going to get in the way? No, no. They're on a moral crusade. The great Thomas Sowell wrote a wonderful book called Vision of the Anointed. The subtitle is Self-Congratulation as a Basis for Social Policy. So the anointed are the elites, and they have a vision of how the world should be. And here's the key. They'll never let anything get in their way of making it happen. They have a vision. They come up with policy to make it happen, and there's no feedback, no review, no further analysis. We're just going to charge forward, and nothing will stop us. The anointed believe that problems exist because others are not as wise or as virtuous as the anointed. And all the crusades from the anointed over the past hundred years, eugenics, environmentalism, communism, Keynesianism, uh, the welfare state, sex ed in schools, our education system, crime, family breakdown, all of these failed social policies that they will not stop advocating for. All of these failed social policies have the same five-step progression that Thomas Sowell outlines. First, assertions that a great disaster to society is about to occur. The, the world's going to come to an end, climate change, right? Second, calls for massive government intervention to avert the impending catastrophe. If you just listen to us, if you just listen to the anointed, if you just do what we say, if you just lock down, if you just shut down for two weeks, then we can avert this disaster. Third, disdainful dismissal of contrary arguments as uninformed, irresponsible, or motivated by unworthy purposes. How dare you be against us? You want to kill grandma. Number four, the policies of the anointed are implemented and are disastrous. And number five, the anointed steadfastly refuse to acknowledge mountains of evidence that their policies have failed 
while accusing their critics of dark motives. So that's the process. You saw it with COVID, you see it with climate change and Thomas Sowell's book, he goes over like a dozen other uh, failed social experiments of the last hundred years that they will not give up on. Now there's three other aspects of the anointed. First is nowhere ever in their thinking is any personal responsibility from individual people ever factored in. It's never allowed. You can, cannot consider it in any way. So to go with the gas stoves, if it's true that kids are getting asthma because of an old gas stove that's leaking, okay, never do the anointed give a single thought that maybe the family should test their stoves and fix it or get a new stove. Or get better ventilation. Never. That's never considered. Instead, we have to ban all the gas stoves from every home in the country. <laughs> Second aspect of the anointed. Of course, they're flaming hypocrites. Someone took a good amount of time, I imagine, to go back to all these videos, usually during COVID, of progressives cooking in their house. right? And they all have gas stoves. Of course. The Bidens, Elizabeth Warren, AOC... Obama, like, you know, of course, of course they have gas stoves, <laughs> but they're flaming, flaming hypocrites because they continue to use their gas stoves. But again, the, and the third point, the main point of the book, to reiterate, nothing will stop their moral crusade. Uh, Thomas Sowell talks about sex ed in schools. So the stated premise, and this is not the actual premise, but the stated premise was to decrease teenage pregnancy and STDs. The thing is, those rates were already going down when they introduced sexual education in school. But they did it anyway. And then those things went up. Teenage pregnancy and STDs went up. So you'd think like, oh, maybe we should like reassess. Nope, never. Pedal to the metal. Facts, no matter how obvious, are never going to get in the way of a good moral crusade. The old C.S. Lewis line, of all the tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His greed may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. C.S. Lewis. So these moral elites have set their sight on banning gas stoves, and they'll never let any facts get in the way. They don't care. They're on a moral crusade. So what's really going on here? Well, from the anointed, it's pride, of course. Almost every broken thing is. You can always trace everything back to pride, but that wouldn't be much of a podcast of every single twice a week we just talk about pride. Although maybe that'd be good too. This moral crusade, it couldn't be any more clear. Romans 125. They, who's they? I'll explain. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. It's that simple. The environmentalists. The environmentalists worship Mother Earth. They worship nature. They worship Gaia. They worship pagan gods. Now you think I'm exaggerating. So that's a lot. What do you mean they worship pagan gods? Check this out. 2002. Earth Summit 2002. The World Summit on Sustainable Development. It was in South Africa. All the countries got together and they presented the Earth Charter. The Earth Charter is their Ten Commandments. 
and they literally put it. Where do you, where do you think they put it? Let me just throw it to you. Well, if you were there, where would you put it? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'd put it in um, <clears throat> the UN headquarters. Okay, where in the UN headquarters? I don't know, like the library or something? Is there like, it's got to be someplace they put books. I don't know. Put it in a, I'd put it in a closet or a library in the, in the United Nations. That's what I would do. It's not what they did with it. They put it, the Earth Charter, in the Ark of Hope. And they made it look like the Ark of the Covenant, which used to hold the Ten Commandments. So the Ark of the Covenant in the Bible is a chest called an Ark, and it was made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. It's 52 inches long, 31 by 31. And they have four gold rings on each corner, and you put a wood stick through it, and that's how you carry it because you're not allowed to touch it. And we told the story of Uzzah, who touched it because it was falling off the oxen. And they carried it on these oxen and then they were going to hill or whatever and it was about to fall off. So Uzzah uh, went over and grabbed it so that it didn't fall, which is good, right? Nope, he immediately died. <laughs> he died right there. And it sounds really cruel. But the thing is they weren't supposed to be carrying it on an ox. They were supposed to put the sticks through it and then carry it with the sticks. So they were not obeying God. And that's the consequence. So the ark was to be placed in the inner sanctum of the tabernacle and, and then eventually in the temple when it was built in Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant. So these environmentalists built an ark the same size as the Ark of the Covenant. And they put the Earth Charter in it, like the Ten Commandments, along with a bunch of environmentalist books and masks of animals for some weird pagan reason. And then a bunch of other written, like New Age spiritual mantras about, about Gaia, about Mother Earth. And they put this in the Ark of Hope. <laughs> right? Because here's the deal. People are designed to worship something. And if it's not God, they'll turn to polytheism or pantheism. Polytheism is when you worship many gods. Pantheism is when you believe all is God. And both of those are very different from believing in the one true God. Michael Crichton, who just one of my, I think one of the craziest facts ever. Michael Crichton had the, he's the only person ever to have the number one book, number one movie, and number one TV show at the same time. And he did it twice. He had the, in 1995, he had the number one book, The Lost World, the number one movie, Congo, and the number one TV show, ER. And then he did it again the next year, 1996. Number one book, Airframe, number one movie, Twister, and number one show, ER. Isn't that unbelievable? No one's ever done that. Anyway, uh, he was a brilliant man. He said, if you look carefully, you see that environmentalism is in fact a perfect 21st century remapping of traditional Judeo-Christian beliefs and myths. There's an initial Eden, a paradise, a state of grace and unity with nature. There's a fall from grace into a state of pollution as a result of eating from the tree of knowledge and as a result of our actions. There's a judgment day coming for all of us. We are all energy sinners doomed to die unless we seek salvation, which is now called sustainability. Sustainability is salvation in the church of the environment. Sustainability is, sustainability is salvation in the church of the environment. Just as organic food is its communion, that pesticide-free wafer that the right people with the right beliefs imbibe. That was in 2003. This is Reverend Cleet Hux. He says, the basic worldview, which has influenced us in this direction, is pantheism. The belief that all is God and God is all. It is the teaching that all is divine by nature. 
This is the worldview of Hinduism. It is also the basis for the New Age movement and influences the neo-pagan worldview of, uh, worldview of Wicca, which is based on ancient fertility cults. In ancient Greece, the earth itself was known as the mother of all living things, Gaia, the Greek goddess of the earth, soon became recognized as Mother Earth or Mother Nature. And the problem with worshiping Greek goddesses, <laughs> pagan goddesses, is, uh, well, Sinclair Ferguson, he said, the denial of God, the denial of God will inevitably lead to the loss of man. The environmentalists elevate the planet and decrease the value of humans. They place plants and animals greater than man. You'll hear these far-left environmentalists, the environmentalist leaders, talk about how humans are a parasite on the planet. They're a cancer to the planet. So, you want to cook your food with gas? You want to cook your food with fire? We can't do that. That's bad for the planet. Yeah, but I want to eat food. No, it's bad for the planet. All right, let's lament this for a little bit. So you've perhaps heard the quote from the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. He said, God is dead. I've heard that, right? God is dead. We don't need him anymore. Who needs that guy? We've progressed past needing God. We don't need superstitions anymore. We progressed to a higher plane of understanding. That's where everyone leaves it. But what Nietzsche wrote later in the same book, he said, much less may one suppose that many people know as yet what this event really means and how much must collapse now that this faith has been undermined because it was built upon this faith, propped up by it, grown into it, for example, the whole of our European morality. So all the people that celebrate that God is dead, okay. <laughs> but have you really thought about what that really means? So people are like, oh, yay, God is dead. Uh, well, now what? If God is dead, now what? And the now what is the collapse of all of our Western morality and ultimately civilization. And it's not a progression to something new. It's a regression to something old. It's pagan idol worshiping. We're not in a post-Christian world. In many ways, we live in a pre-Christian world. You can't use gas stoves anymore. Why not? It's bad for the planet, are they? Doesn't matter. <laughs> we are atoning for our sins against Mother Earth. Ellen DeGeneres, the other day, it's been raining a lot in California. So she was outside of her house and there was a big tributary uh, maybe we, I don't know. Real quick, where Ellen Jenner lives and all these other, there's this huge mountain range. So it's been raining a lot. And of course it rains on top of the mountain range. And the mountain range has these tributaries where all the water collects. And it ultimately uh, collects into three different exit points into the ocean. Well, of course, there's going to be a lot of water coming out of the tributaries when you have huge mountain range collecting all the water. That's supposed to like it's ridiculous. So you're going to stand at the bottom and be like, wow, check out all the water. Well, yeah. So she's standing at the bottom of the the, the water, the tributary there. And she said, Mother Nature is not happy with us. We need to be nicer to Mother Nature. Let's lament the fact that so many people have a godless worldview. And we live in a society where those morals have been thrown away as well.
But people are designed to worship something, so they've chosen the earth. Also, let's lament electric ranges. Have you? Do you have an electric stove? I grew up with one. What a total piece of garbage. They're awful. You can't, you can't cook on those. No restaurant uses electric stoves to cook food. You can't use fire. <laughs> you want to use fire. It's, just, it's, it's unbelievable that we have these people who want us to be more poor. Right? Like we have this, this technology. We can harness the power of natural gas and uh, create a flame. That's just the perfect amount of flame for the thing we need to cook at the very moment. It's like unbelievable. It's great. No. We got to move backwards. Technological regression, not to mention moral and civilizational regression as well. All right. Let's get to some history here. So there's nothing new under the sun. The Nazis were environmentalists. <laughs> oh, Slater to go right to the Nazis. Listen, I'm not calling environmentalists Nazis. I'm saying the Nazis were environmentalists. Those are different things. Hitler was obsessed with order and cleanliness. And he had a high level of disgust. This is why he wanted to eradicate the people he was disgusted by. He wasn't afraid of the Jews. He wasn't scared of the Jews. He didn't just hate the Jews. He was disgusted by them. That's next level. You can, If you don't like something or someone, you can just ignore them. But if something disgusts you, you destroy it. Jordan Peterson talks about a book. It's called Hitler's Table Talk, where it's all these dinner conversations from 1939 to 1942, where, and Peterson was just struck by how often Hitler talked about uh, eradicating Jews, gypsies, Slavs, the handicapped, and, and refer to them as parasites. Refer to these people as parasites, just like one would refer to rats or insects or other things to be disgusted by. Now, what was the first thing Hitler did when he was in power? Public health initiatives, mass tuberculosis screenings. It's a good thing. He also went on to beautify the uh, factories, this big campaign to beautify factories. So he would encourage factory owners to uh, plant flowers and gardens and stuff. And he would also uh, encourage factory owners to increase the level of hygiene, meaning get rid of the rats. And the insecticide that they used to kill the rats and the insects was Zyklon, which is what they used in the concentration camps. So he went from cleaning up the rats and insects in factories and then right to the mental hospitals and then to the Jews. They just took the same principle. I'm disgusted by them rats and then just went broader and broader and broader and broader. Caitlin Smith said, surprisingly, Nazi leadership ardently championed renewable energy. We call those green jobs and institutionalized organic farming and land use planning on a level unmatched by any nation past or present. These environmental policies might seem like a welcome departure from the rest of the Nazi program, but their environmentalism was actually grounded in the same racist worldview that shaped the Holocaust. Hitler was a vegetarian because he hated animal suffering. The animal welfare laws that are still on the books in Germany were first proposed by the Nazis. Joseph Goebbels wrote in his diary that the reason why Hitler hated the Jews so much was that Judaism drew a distinct difference between the value of humans and animals. There's actually a ton in Deuteronomy, and it's, it's quite shocking, actually, that protects the welfare of animals. So the, the Torah has a major preoccupation with ending animal suffering. But Deuteronomy supports the eating of meat. Hitler hated that. As Dennis Prager said, it is in a Torah law, obligatory on every Israelite to eat meat 
once a year, Exodus 12, 8, in the Passover sacrifice. That serves to remind the Israelites that animals and human beings are not of equal value. But the, and Hitler hated that. But the more secular a society becomes, the more people equate animal and human life as the same. The Bible said that only human beings are created in God's image and therefore have immeasurably greater value than animals. That's the Christian worldview. But the secular pagan worldview puts them on the same plane or even puts animals above humans. There's this famous survey that was done, and I, I could not believe it, so I, I did it myself once. Uh, I went to the beach here in San Diego, and I found people with dogs, so perhaps it's a bit of a biased survey. But I asked uh, these people, I said, if you saw your dog or a stranger drowning, and you could only save one, who would you save? Now, the original survey said that 70% of people said they would save their dog over the human being, and that's appalling to me. I asked 20 people, all of them said they would save their dog over the human being. So I would then change the terms. I'd say, okay, what about your dog versus your cousin? People still said their dog. So it wasn't a stranger, it was someone they knew. Then I think, oh, well, that's because Slater, that's their dog. They love their dog. Okay, then I changed it to any dog. Would you save any dog over a stranger? And people said they'd save the dog because people are mean. <sighs> that amazing? So this is, there's a lot going on here, uh, but this is evidence that in a secular society, a secular society, morality is governed more by feelings. So of course you feel more love for your dog than a stranger, but those feelings should not determine morality and therefore your behavior and who you should save. One more point on this is a direct link between cruelty to animals and cruelty to people, right? You got to Young kid who's cruel to animals, it's not a good sign for how that person is going to treat people as they grow up. But the opposite's not true. There's no link between kindness to animals and kindness to people. In fact, oftentimes the opposite is true. The nicer people are to animals, the more callous they can be to people. And this is actually in the Bible, and you may not like what I'm saying right here. That's fine, but this is in the Bible. Hosea uh, says, it is said of them, Though, this is about idol worshipers. It is said of them, the, said of them, those who offer human sacrifice kiss calves. That's talking about golden idols here, but it's true of actual animals too. They kiss these animals, but they kill human beings. So the point is, God has placed humans of a higher value than animals, and Hitler disagreed with that. 1933, the Nazis ended animal testing. No more testing on animals. But Hermann Goring wrote this, an absolute and permanent ban on vivisection is not only a necessary law to protect animals and to show sympathy with their pain, but it is also a law for humanity itself, said one of the top Nazi leaders. Vivisection is the uh, practice of performing operations on live animals for the purpose of experimentation or scientific research. So he said, we got to end this. We can't be doing this to protect the animals and their pain, but it's also good for humanity itself. I have therefore announced the immediate prohibition of vivisection and have made the practice a punishable offense in Prussia. Until such time as punishment is pronounced, the culprit shall be lodged in a concentration camp. So if you did any, any torturing, any suffering of an animal, you'd be sent to the concentration camp. It's said that he sent a fisherman to a concentration camp because he was cutting up a frog to use for bait. They also, the Nazis also have banned using animals in film or public events that might, that might cause pain. Yet, I hope you're with me on this one. You see where I'm going here. These same people 
so kind to the animals. We're doing experiments on human beings in concentration camps. So we're not gonna we're not gonna hurt the animals. We're not gonna do any experiments on animals, but we are gonna do experiments on the Jews. How can that be? The Nazis were not worshiping the God of the Bible. So they worshiped other gods, their own gods. And again, as Sinclair Ferguson said, the denial of God will inevitably lead to the loss of man. So let's go to a Bible story now. Second Chronicles has 20 different kings in it. Only five of them are good. Five are good, four are inconsistent at best, and there's 11 bad ones, 11 bad kings. King Ahaz is one of those terrible kings. Check out this. This is from 2 Kings 16.3. He even burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. So he sacrificed his own son at the altar of the gods. You think, well, that's crazy. Well, there's a lot of people today who don't have children at all because they're so concerned about the planet. So they're sacrificing their future children to the gods. But the number one thing that all these terrible kings had in common is they were worshiping other gods. That's their downfall. And when the environmentalists at the Earth Summit made their own Ark of Hope, a replica yet pagan version of the Ark of the Covenant, that is blasphemy. That is worshiping of other gods. All right, Slater. So what's in my control? Don't love animals. It makes you a Nazi. No, that's not. I love this podcast because, listen, when I'm on the radio, any old loon with a radio can tune in and intentionally try to take whatever I say out of context and then write me a nasty email, whatever. But we're all on the same page here. So I can make a joke like that. What is, what's in your control? Uh, I got three things. First, value human life. Value human life. We talked about the image of God in a recent podcast. Uh, value human life and more than animals. Matthew 10, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? So they're cheap. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. It's great. Now notice the sparrows are not unimportant to God. He knows all about them. He knows when one falls to the ground. But he values you more. Value human life. Oh, I heard a great line the other day. This is a quick sidebar. Uh, This is an abortion argument or pro-life argument. Uh, When someone says, uh, oh, what about abortion for rape and incest? Oh, I forget who said this. Uh, I'm sure we'll do another abortion segment one day and I'll find who said it. But they said, uh, the person said, uh, would you kill, let's say there was a a boy born out of rape. Would you kill that kid? (laughs) Would you kill the kid? Like he's like 12 years old, but he's born out of rape or incest. Are you going to kill the kid? No, of course. So there's no difference. Principle remains the same. So I that just jumped to my head because uh, you must value life from conception to death, which implies abortion and um, physician-assisted suicide, two very, very difficult things. But again, the only reason those are things that we're even talking about is because we live in a society that does not value human life. So what can we do? First, value human life. Second, don't worship other gods, including Mother Nature. Worship one God, God, (laughs) 
And that's the third point. Remember that God made the earth. He's in control of everything, including the weather. Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's got it. John 1.3, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you, except for carbon dioxide emissions and gas stoves. You can't possibly overcome the impact of gas stoves, God. Also, God promised that the seasons will continue. Genesis 8, 22, As long as the earth endures, Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I love everything's in the Bible. God has it. You can use your gas stove with a clean conscience. I, I now allow you to use your gas stove guilt-free and push back against these people that are on their own moral crusade against not only your gas stove, but against your entire worldview, and against the truth. So final thing to meditate on, fear not, fear not. Hundreds of times in the Bible, it says fear not, over and over again, fear not, fear not, fear not. But there is one thing to fear, fear God, which means to revere him and him alone. It's our episode politics by faith thank you for being here thank you for listening please leave a, a comment quick little review on itunes It'd be greatly appreciated that would be your payment oh a quick thing too i have no control over the commercials here so when there's a commercial like i got an email the other day from someone who said hey you're playing these gambling commercials and i don't appreciate that uh, i i don't i don't i'm not in charge of that like like itunes just puts those in i don't get any of that money they put in like a placer like a like a just like a place like here's where a commercial airs and then iTunes automatically determines, like based on where you live and whatever, what commercial should go in there. So I don't, I have nothing to do with any of the commercials that maybe uh, in this episode, I don't get paid. I don't get any money. I get no money from doing any of this, by the way. So unless I'm saying the words myself, that's uh, not my commercial. So I apologize for that. Uh, obviously, I prefer gambling commercials to not be on this episode. It's actually weird that the gambling people want gambling commercials on this show but alas Slater Radio at gmail.com Slater Radio at gmail.com please let's stay in touch have a wonderful night let's get some sleep Mike Slater